0: In the welterweight division at UFC fight night, you got Josh Quinlan taking on Trey Waters. Now, Quinlan comes in undefeated at 6-0. Waters, 7-1. American versus American. It should be an interesting fight. Now, Trey Waters is 6'5". He's got a 5-inch height advantage over the 6-feet tall Quinlan. And that's a very tall fighter in the welterweight division. He's also got a 5-inch reach advantage, 77-72. Both guys fight right-handed. Both guys very active. Quinlan, five and a half significant strikes per minute to 4.7 for Trey Waters. So both guys, again, very active. And you're not seeing a lot of takedowns from both of these fighters. So Quinlan, uh, and both guys don't have a lot of fights in the UFC, but Quinlan and KO'd Jason Witt in his first UFC fight. It didn't take long at all. Two minutes and nine seconds into the fight. The odd part is, is he had a no contest against Logan Urban. In Dana White's contender series and still got the opportunity to fight in the UFC. So he's 1-0 in the UFC. On the other hand, Trey Waters lost to Gabriel Bonfim, who we know is a pretty good fighter via submission uh, at Dana White's contender series. So could we be tricked here? I mean, Trey Waters lost at the contender series. Quinlan came into the UFC, got a win by KO. So are we being tricked here? Right? Is Trey Waters really better than we think because he lost to Bonfim? I don't think so. And yes, you could, we could be tricked here. We could be duped. But the bottom line is, is uh, Josh Quinlan is undefeated right now for a reason. He did have the no contest uh, Dana White's contender series. But then you come into the UFC and you KO uh, a UFC fighter. And that's going to make headlines. That's going to open people's eyes. And that's what it's done for Quinlan. So we're not being duped. Josh Quinlan is just that good. Now, will he rise to be a top five welterweight? Things of that nature that remains to be seen. But he's definitely going to be Trey Waters in this one. I look for Josh Quinlan to get a finish in this fight as well. But again, he's fighting a guy that's five inches taller than him. So he's going to be punching upward. And he's not big on the takedowns, uh, which is what happened to Trey Waters uh, at the contender series right when you're fighting a taller guy you can shoot in for takedowns get the head on the hip etc so that's not Josh Quinlan's game or at least we haven't seen that yet so can he get a KO over a taller fighter will the reach uh disadvantage cause him problems we'll see but I'm still picking Quinlan to get through all that and move to 7-0 and of course this is in my opinion I like the KO finish we'll see welterweight division UFC fight night in the heavyweight division, a UFC a fight night. In the main car, Marcos Rogério de Lima comes in at 20 and 9, taking on Waldo Cortez Acosta, who comes in at a perfect 9 and 0. Oh. But will he walk out 9 and 0? Oh, that's the question. Or 10 and 0 oh, and remain undefeated? Cortez Acosta is three inches taller at 6'4. He's also six, uh, six years younger than the 37 year old uh, de Lima in terms of reach, three inch advantage for Waldo Cortez Acosta, both guys right-handed. And Cortez Acosta is very active. He's landed nearly 8 significant strikes per minute, which is incredible, to just 3.6, which is right around average uh, for De Lima. Now De Lima can get takedowns, not a lot, but for, you know, heavyweights don't get a lot of takedowns, but he can get one over the course uh, of 3 rounds. So look for him to get one takedown, maybe two. In this fight, but Cortez Acosta has about, you know, average takedown defense 67%. So, he'll likely get his one or two takedowns in this fight. Now, the Lima, in his last fight, beat Andre Orlovsky. That was a big win by rear naked submission. That's wild. Before that, he lost to Blago- uh, Blago- Ivanov and beat Ben Rothwell and Maurice Screen. So, he's won three of his last four, which tells you he's kind of got the momentum at this point in time. Now, Cortez Acosta, on the other hand, beat Chase Sherman by decision. Jared Vanderay, decision, and uh, Danilo Suzart at Dana White's Contender Series, he KO'd him. So, he's beating who he's supposed to beat, but how good is Waldo Cortez Acosta? That's what we're going to find out in this fight. The thing is, is the Lima is a pretty darn good fighter, but he's lost to some guys he probably shouldn't have lost to like Ivanov, Alexander Romanov's another uh, fight that he lost, but that's one he probably should lose. He lost to Stefan Struve back in 2019. He shouldn't have lost that one. Lost to Ovin St. Pru. and that's 2017 Ovin St. Preux, a.k.a. OSP. So he's got some wins, but he's got some losses against guys he shouldn't lose to. This is a very, very tough prediction, and my worry for Cortez Acosta is that if he does get taken down by DeLima, he may not get back up because DeLima is just going to lay on him. That's how DeLima can win this fight. But I'm going to take a chance here. I'm going to take a chance and say with the activity, Cortez Acosta can get the win. He had 147 significant strikes in the last fight. Before that, he he led 73-56 to 56 over Van Against Danilo Suzart, 43-15. to 15. So he outstrikes his opponent's. And it's clear that Daleen is going to try to take him down and limit the striking ability. But I still like Cortez Acosta to shake off the takedowns in two out of the three rounds. Dominate in those two rounds and get the victory here to remain undefeated. in a big win for Cortez Acosta, in my opinion, to move to 10-0. Heavyweight division, UFC, fight night. In the featherweight division, the UFC, fight night, you got Julian Juicy J. Arosa coming in at 28 and 11, taking on Fernando. Padilla, who comes in at 14 and 4, making his UFC debut. Both guys 6-1. Padilla is still young, only 26 years old compared to the 33 year old Arosa, but that's like prime age for a UFC fighter. Padilla has a one inch reach advantage, 76 to 75. And that's all we know about Padilla until we look at some other things in just a moment. Now, Arosa is a left hander, 6.2 significant strikes per minute, 1.7 Takedowns over the course of three rounds are really one takedown every other round. He does have a 61% takedown defense. That's not great, but quite average. And that could be a problem against a guy in Padilla who has eight submission victories. Alex Casares, KO'd, uh, Juicy Jack. But before that, he beat DeWadu, Steven Peterson, Charles Jordain. Those are some big wins by decisions. He did uh, submit Charles Jordain. So he's three and one in the last four, and you know in those fights he defended the takedowns well. That's tough against a Wadu. That's tough against uh, Jordan potentially, even though he's more of a striker. So you got to keep that in mind here uh, as we look into Padilla, who's got eight submission victories, four KOs, but he's got four losses outside the UFC. Now a couple of notes here: he did beat Derek Minner back in the day in 2017. He lost to Spike Carlisle by decision, came back and won two against Nate Richardson and Cameron Graves uh, in LFA and Fury FC 46. So Padilla is going to be much tougher than people think here. That's why these odds are much closer to even. But Juicy J better represent and represent well. You know, he's beating multiple UFC fighters. He lost one here and there. But you can't let a guy in Padilla come in and beat him. Now, he is susceptible to being taken down. He's susceptible uh, to be in finishes because Padilla finished eight opponents by submission. But Arosa might be in trouble for a round, but he's going to win two rounds, in my opinion. And he'll escape whatever trouble he's in to move to 29 and 11. In my opinion, he'll do it with decent takedown defense and especially the striking. That's the key for him to win this fight. Featherweight division, UFC fight night. In the middleweight division at UFC Fight Night, you got Rodolfo Vieira coming in eight and two. The Brazilian takes on the American Cody Brundage. He comes in at eight and three. Now both guys stand six feet. Vieira's got a one-inch reach advantage. They both fight right-handed. Now into the nitty-gritty: three point six significant strikes per minute for Vieira, just two point three for Brundage. So the Brazilian, you'd expect to have a solid ground game as well, is better in significant strikes here. He has, you know, he's more active. But when you get into the takedowns, it's almost even. Both guys well over three takedowns over three rounds, which equates to about a little more than one takedown per round. Now, Vieira, 100% takedown defense. Gives him a major advantage in his fight. Coming up, the loss to Chris Curtis by decision, but he beat Dustin Stoltzfus by submission. Lost to Anthony Hernandez by submission. And beat Safarov and Pia Shota by arm triangle submissions so all three wins by submission something to keep in mind here at 68% takedown defense that's average but not good enough against a Brazilian now he did lose to a guy coming in the next fight after this Mikhail Alexichuk he got KO'd but he beat Treshawn Gore by KO beat Lungi Ambula by submission due to guillotine and lost to Nick Maximoff so you know and in that fight Maximoff had four takedowns on him But in the loss to Alexichuk, he had three takedowns, but trailed 15-0 in significant strikes. So, Brundage is, of course, going to try the takedowns. Uh, Vieira, great takedown defense, is going to stuff those. He's better on the feet. I just don't see an angle for Brundage to get the job done here based on uh, his previous fighting history. To meet a Brazilian... Defends takedowns, lands takedowns. He can do whatever he wants in his fight. Rodolfo Vieira will win this thing easily, but likely by decision. Of course, he wins every fight by submission, so that's not a bad route either. But either way, he moves to 9-2, middleweight division, UFC fight night. In the middleweight division, a UFC fight night. You got Kyle Barajo taking on Mikel Alexichuk. It's going to be a big-time fight. Barajo is undefeated in the UFC so far. He's 13-1 overall. Alexi Chuck, 18 and 5. Now, Alexi Chuck, 2 inches taller at 6 feet. He's giving up 1 inch in reach, 75 to 74 in favor of Barajo. Both guys, southpaws, they fight left-handed. Now, Alexi Chuck is a striker, right? He doubles up Barajo, like, 5 significant strikes to about 2.4 per minute when you're looking at that, but Barajo's game plan is going to be on the takedowns where he gets uh, a little less than 1 per round, but he certainly... Gets one almost every fight that he's in. Now, he does have a 50% takedown defense. That's not very good. But again, the guy's undefeated in the UFC. He's 3-0 since coming out of Dana White's contender series where he went 2-0. Since his arrival. he's beat Omar Gadsia, Petrosian, and Muradov all by decision. And he's landed at least one takedown in each of those fights, including four against Petrosian. And you might expect it to be something like that in this fight because... Alexi Chuck has a 43% takedown defense, not very good. Now he's coming off the KO win over Cody Brundage. He beat Sam Alvey by KO. Those are two impressive wins, but he lost to Dustin Jacoby by decision. And he's capable of giving up takedowns. So it's not to say McCall, Alexi Chuck can't win this fight, but Brawl has a good chance because the Brazilian's going to go in there and recognize the situation. He needs to get takedowns. And I say he gets three or four if he doesn't finish Alexi Chuck sooner. But if it goes to a decision like his last three fights, he's looking at three or four takedowns to win this thing. And I think he can do that. So in my opinion, Barajo wins by decision to move to 14-1, middleweight division, UFC fight night. In the bantamweight division at UFC fight night, you got Sonja Dong coming in at 19-7, and taking on Ricky Simon, who comes in at 20-3. and you got to respect that record. I mean, 20 wins, three losses, that's incredible. Yadong, two inches taller to 5'8, uh, but he's given up two inches in reach to Ricky Simon, 69 to 67. Both guys stand right handed. Yadong, a little more active, 4.5 significant strikes per minute to three. Uh, well, three exactly per minute for Ricky Simon. That's a very slow pace. That's because he gets takedowns. Six and a half per minute. Not much to speak of there for Song Yadong. Takedown defense becomes important, and the Kung Fu Kid, aka Song Yadong, has a 71% takedown defense. That's above average. So that'll help in his fight. He lost to Corey Sanhagen by KO, but beat Marlon Moraes by KO. Julio Arce by KO. And he beat Casey Kenny by split decision. These are his last four fights. 3-1 and one in the last four. Now Ricky Simon, 75% takedown defense. That won't matter. Beat Jack Shore by submission. That's a big one. Asuncao, ah, KO. Brian Kelleher, decision. Wow. Uh, Pirello by submission, and Ray Borg by split decisions. His last loss was to Rob Font. So to me, this one's easy. I mean, I think Ricky Simon uh, is going to dominate Song Yadong. You know, because forget the activity from Song Yadong. Ricky Simon's just going to go in there and land takedown after takedown, especially when he realizes he can't keep up with Song Yadong. And once he gets those takedowns, it's going to be over. He's going to win two rounds out of three at minimum if he doesn't get a submission. So I like Ricky Simon to dominate here to move to 21-3 and uh, here in the Bantamweight division at UFC fight night.